0: And now, another tale well-calculated to keep you in suspense. The time, Christmas, 1958. The place, Korea. The story, A Korean Christmas Carol, written for suspense by George Bamberg. Sounds good, doesn't it? You hear kids singing, I mean. I can't understand the language, but I know what they mean. They sound so fresh and full of promise, almost as if they knew. But uh, then I'm getting ahead of myself. The name's Connolly, P.S.C. Larry Connolly. I'm a soldier in Korea. I was sent here just about a year ago, this time. That's where this strange story begins. Christmas, 1958. Christmas was for me that year miserable. I've been stuck on guard the night before, and so I planned to stay in bed the next day and forget about Christmas. I hadn't counted on my first sergeant. Since I was the first man he came to in the barracks, it's only logical that I should be the man he picks to drive a truck all the way to Seoul and back. It was night by the time I got on the road, headed back from Seoul. It started to snow. Big plates coming down soft at first. And so thick and fast, I could hardly see. I was just over that first range of mountains. we was starting on the twisting, slippery way down when I saw him. The sight of him scared me, wide awake. He was standing bareheaded, the wind whipping the snow in his hair around his face. When he raised his thumb, I had the strangest feeling he'd been expecting me. Almost as if it were Unnecessary. As if he knew I'd stop. You want a lift? I'm going as far as Camp Santa Barbara. Where's that? You mean, where's that? Everybody knows where Camp Santa Barbara is. Don't stand there with the door open. Hop in. All right. <coughs> well, you picked a lousy place to hitchhike. I didn't stop. Oh, thanks. What happened your gloves? Your hands look half frozen. Gloves? Well, I, uh, must have lost them. What's that, don't you know? <laughs> Uh, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, sure. I must have left them laying on the counter of the PX back there. Were your hat back there, too? No, no. I lost my hat in the dark. I fell. I suppose that's why your uniform is muddy and your jacket's torn. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. Of course. I uh, was walking along the edge of the road and I slipped in the dark. And I slid halfway down the embankment before I could stop. I right, see. So you managed to hang on to your bag. Oh, yeah. I can't afford to lose that. It's important. I'm late as it is. What outfit are you from? 3rd Recon, 7th Division Infantry. Infantry? No well, artillery up this way. The infantry facing about seven miles back. You're heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, well, 3rd Recon is a special detachment. We're off in the hill. All by ourselves. It's just off this road. I heard of it before. My name's Connolly. Larry Connolly. What's yours? Oh, thanks. Mine's Richard Dombrowski. Good to know you, Dombrowski. Hey, look, if you can let go of that bag long enough, I'll let you wear my gloves till your hands warm up. Oh, no, thanks. That's all right. I'll put them in my pocket. Say, is it okay if I shut my bag on the floor? Oh, sure, no question. Mm-hmm. Say, you don't have a cigarette, do you? I'm fresh out. Well, I don't know. I... Wait a minute. Yeah, here's some. Uh, let me light it for you, though. You watch the road. I saw a whole truckload of troops disappear over that curve up ahead. Killed all but two. Yeah? Well, uh-huh. that happened. 1951. 1951? Yep. You were here when the war was on. I guess you could say that. Tell me, Dombrowski, what were you doing Christmas Day? If they didn't send you all the way to Seoul with an empty truck on a wild goose chase. <laughs> what I did today. What did you do seven years ago? Well, you see those lights up ahead? That's the village of Chongju-ri. We marched through there the day before Christmas. You scared? Oh, I think everybody's scared. Hey, hey, look out. You'll bring yourself. What's the matter? cigarette burned all the way down to your fingers. Oh. You're burning you? With that? No, no. I, I guess it burned itself out before it got to my skin. Anyway, you see that hill over there? Well, Christmas Day, 1951, my platoon was all dug in around that hill. No kidding. Mm-hmm. We went out on a patrol from that hill. And that was one time I was plenty scared. As a matter of fact, it happened just seven years ago tonight. It hadn't snowed that day, but there was snow on the ground. I can remember because the guys were joking that at least we had a white Christmas. And what a Christmas it was. Christmas Day, 1951. We were sitting around in our halls waiting for the fun, which we knew would begin the next day. They'd managed to get hot turkey up to us, so we were relatively comfortable and happy until Brownie, our squad leader, came back from a talk with the old man. All right, I'll take the first bite. The old man wants us to go out and have a look around. Come on, come on, on, knock it all up. Get rid of your dog tags and canteens. Anything that might rattle or make a noise. We won't be gone long, but we're moving light. Hey, Whitey, might as well leave your helmet here. We want to move quiet. But, Sarge, it's too cold to go out without a hat. Ah, shut the comedy, Walker. We moved out on schedule just as night was falling. And with the night came the cold. We moved rapidly along the valley for about an hour or so when Barney stopped and raised his hand. All right, you men, hold it up. Once we get on the other side of that ridge up ahead, we'll observe maximum security. No talking, no light. Keep down. And watch where you put your big, clumsy feet. Yeah. These people just love tripwires with flares attached. Walker, you still got the walkie-talkie? If I didn't, I wouldn't be here to tell you about it. Uh-huh. so working? It's warm, if that's what you mean. That's more than I can say for myself. All right, keep it that way. We may need it if we run into trouble. Hey, while we're here, let's take one last check on your gear. Make sure your rifle bolts aren't frozen, weapons are facing, and all grenades are secure in the pin. Okay, everybody set Let's move out. And so we did move out. The end one felt light in my hands, like I hadn't realized how light and easy it was to carry a rifle before. The going was easy. The rice paddies were frozen over and covered with snow, and we stepped carefully between the clumps of rice stubble left over from the last harvest, so the dry straw made no noise. We walked steadily, quietly, maybe 200 yards without a sound. Regularly stepping up and over each low-right paddy wall as we came to it. Each one bringing us just that much closer to the top. And then it happened. Hit it! Now! Hit the dirt. Get down! Somebody must have kicked the wire because suddenly the inky black was transformed into the merciless point of the operating table. Everything seemed stopped and slowed down, just like an old movie before the projector blows up. I could see the other guys, the hills, and the deadly, winking fires of the guns. And then we fell down to the protection of the earth. And some of us fell with metal in our bodies. Crawl, crawl, you wait. Crawl to the mud Oh, They can't hit us there. And we crawled, digging our knees and fingers into the frozen mud until we were bruised and torn. We crawl we're closer to the ground and faster than we ever had before. We crawled to the sanctuary of a foot-high mud hill. Get your head down. They got a sprint. Went about hundred and fifty yards to the front. Where's the other? There yeah, was two hundred yards to the left. They got us sprint in a crossfire. We'll never get out of here. All right, all right, now don't panic. Get down. We'll make it out. Walker, see if you can raise Lady Wolf on a walking sausage. Walker. Walker's laying out there in the middle of a paddy, Brownie. Uh, He's never going to have to worry about being warm again. He's out there, too. I saw him get it. I saw it when the flare went up. I saw him catch it in the front. Okay, okay, Harry, easy. you still got the walkie-talkie. Can you see if it's all right? He's yeah. laying on us. It's hard to tell, Whitey. That flare is going to go out mighty quick. If a man was fast, he could probably freak out there and back before they put up another one. We can use that walkie-talkie to call up some artillery to get these markings off our back. I can't, Brownie. I must have been hit. I can't move my legs anymore. I, I can't even feel them. Easy. Are you bleeding bad? No. Harry. You all right? as, far as I know. Stevens, sure. I'd like to take a whirl at that walkie talkie. Uh-huh. Wait till that flare burns out. It's shying now. It's a few more seconds. Go! <laughs> By the time the flare lit the sky, Stevens was halfway back, the walkie talkie dangling from his right hand. Some um, huge invisible hand slapped into the girl. I'm here, oh, God, I'm here. You Keep so quiet. Where'd they get you? I'm here. I'm here. Look him over, Harry. <laughs> they busted his arm. See any other places? No, no, I guess his arm. Wrap a dress, you no know, it right, and butt that inside his jacket. Tell me that walkie-talkie. No good, Ronnie. The walkie talking smashed. What? It's it useless. We're gonna have to move out of here fast. Well, how are we gonna pull out? We can't crawl back down the paddy. They're slurred. All right, all right, look. We'll move along the dyke to the edge of the rice paddy. From there, we can duck into the underbrush and move back down the mountain. We'll never make it. There's us when we try to make it across the clearing to the underbrush. That's when the are are around. We gotta try it. We can't stay here. Stephen, can you crawl? Yeah, I can make it. Okay, now you lead off and I'll follow you. I'll crawl backwards and pull Whitey along behind me. Whitey, you heard me. But we'll never make it. Quiet. All you have to do, Harry, is follow along behind and pick up the pieces. Take his weapon. It'll make him lighter. Keep your hands off me, Harry. Come on, lady. We have any time to fool around. I'm not fooling. I'm not going with you guys. Come on. you yeah, want too much blood already. That's just this. Like you said, Brownie, it's only a matter of time. You can't get anywhere with me. You'll never even get past the clearing trying to drag me across. You're smart enough to know that, Brownie. She'll be tough enough, even with two good legs. We're not leaving you here. That's what I figured you'd say, Brownie. I'm still in charge here. I figured you'd say that, too. Brownie, you see this grenade? It doesn't have any pin in it. The only thing that keeps the spring from kicking the clip off is my hand. Now get out of here, Brownie, before I let it go. Oh, why? why do you want me to let loose of this grenade? Now pop that VAR up in the dike in front of me. I'll scatter the clips can get right at them. I'll wait until you guys get to the edge of the paddy before I open up. Look, I'm buddy. still holding the grenade, Brownie. Time is running out. You're going to have to hurry. I feel like I want to fall asleep and I don't know how much longer I can stay awake. Just wish me a... A very Merry Christmas and beat it. Merry Christmas, why I like you guys. What are you waiting for? Let's move out. <laughs> yeah, it's right. This is Christmas. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still do you see? What's the matter? Don't you people like Christmas, Carl? Oh, machine gun fire always was better getaway music than Christmas carols. Above thy dark and White Whitey lay there until the others had crawled to the end of a low rice paddy wall. And then he threw his grenade. When it exploded, he opened up with a BAR, making enough noise to make the enemy think the patrol was launching an attack. Both machine gun nests zeroed in on him. The whitey stayed well below the little mud wall of the rice paddy, humming his Christmas carol, loading the B.A.R. with a fresh clip every time it went empty, and perhaps wondering briefly why he was going to die so far away from home. A little pond of frozen mud he didn't care about or even own, still firing and seeing, even after the rest of the squad had escaped into the underbrush and until even the machine gunners found their mark. Or else he you finally fell asleep. Oh gosh. He was quite a guy. No, I guess it was just the detail that had to be done and he had to do it. Well, there's my stop right there where that little road turns off up ahead. There's detachments up that road? That's right, right at the end of it. I'm sure, I've seen that road before, but I didn't think there was anything up there. <laughs> just let me out here. sure thing. Thanks a lot. No sweat. (laughs) Say, uh, if you ever want to look me up, remember my outfit's all the way up at the end of this road. I'll be right up there. Okay, I'll drop in sometime. Right. So long, and thanks again. I drove off figuring it'd be a very cold day in Korea before I ever looked him up. Such a weird guy gave me the creeps. I got about five miles down the road when I discovered he left his bag sitting on the floor of a deuce and a half. Took a lot of arguing with myself, but uh, I decided that the only decent thing I could do was to swing around and take it back to him. Besides, maybe I could stop in the orderly room and check him out. Find out what his story really was. <laughs> almost missed the road because it was so small and seldom used. I drove up it for about ten minutes. I was beginning to wonder if I hadn't gotten the wrong road after all. Was I passed no other vehicles or G.I.s or anything to indicate there was an infantry company around. Just when I was ready to turn back to the main road, I saw a light twinkling up ahead from what looked like a couple of Quonsets. It seemed impossible that an infantry outfit could be housed in two Quonsets, but I pulled a deuce and a half to a hole outside the gate and cut off the motor. I picked up the AWOL bag, got out of the truck, trying to figure out which one was the orderly room. I walked across the hard-packed snow of the yard to the first I Still couldn't figure it out. Light and warmth seemed to pour from the windows along with the music I remembered from somewhere, but couldn't quite understand. I stepped up to the first window I came to and looked inside. There were kids all over the place, kids of all sizes and descriptions, kids just... Old enough to sit by themselves. Kids just losing their first teeth. Some just starting their teens. I stood in the snow spellbound just watching them sing. Finally I tore myself away and headed for the front door eager to be inside. A plaque made out of the howitzer shell stopped me. In the faint light I could just barely make out the words engraved on the polished brass. But finally I read it all. It said, this orphanage has been erected and maintained in the memory of Corporal Richard Whitey Dombrowski, who somewhere north of the village of Chungju Ri, Christmas night, nineteen fifty one, willingly gave his life that others might live. Suddenly I didn't know where I belonged anymore. The A Wall bag dragged at the end of my arm like a thousand pound weight. I could figure what was in it, but I tore it open anyway. The bag full of candy, soap and toothpaste and gum shined up at me looking as rich and rare as frankincense and myrrh. I closed the bag. Laid it up against the door, close, so they wouldn't miss it. And then I banged on the door as loud and long as I could. So I was sure that they heard me. And then I ran. I ran back down the road to my truck as fast and as hard as I could. To a Korean Christmas Carol, written for the by George Bamber. <laughs> heard in tonight's story were Bill Lipton as Larry Connolly and Lyle Soudreau as Richard. Also heard were Larry Robinson.